You're listening to Coast to Coast Latino. You're listening to an incredible rock band that came out of the 1980s, Soda Stereo. That guitar riff is brought to you by Gustavo Sarati, who was also the lead singer of the band, uh, Hector Seta Bosio, the bass player, and Charlie Alberti on drums. And let me tell you folks, this band broke records like you couldn't believe in Latin rock music. They sold 15 million albums alone in, uh, in, in Latin America. And uh, they sold out stadiums with 80, 100,000 people. It was just an incredible rock band out of the 1980s. So check them out. Check out their music on iTunes. You can also find them on Amazon. Or check out their videos on YouTube. They're pretty cool. Pretty, pretty, pretty fun music. I encourage you to check them out. Soda Stereo. I want to thank you for joining me this Wednesday. My name is Adrian Perez. I'm your host here at Coast to Coast Latino. Uh, we're brought to you by the Vida de Oro Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to the arts and enhancing the community. We're also brought to you by U-Haul for your storage and moving needs. Contact U-Haul, and by the way, check out their website. They're hiring people, they pay pretty good, and they also offer benefits, uh, but they're hiring, so get a chance, check out U-Haul. We're also brought to you by OIC Tax Services. OIC, uh, they're specialists in dealing with the IRS, so if you find yourself in trouble with the IRS, contact OIC, uh, go to their website, oic.com. Again, I want to thank you for joining me on the Wednesday version of Coast to Coast Latino. There's a young gentleman. His name is Bernardo Ruiz. He's a filmmaker, a documentary filmmaker. Uh, he's also a two-time Emmy Award nominee, by the way. Uh, and he did the movies, the films, rather, uh, Harvest Season as well as Reportero, Harvest Season, of course, is the uh, the uh, film that, that won uh, national acclaim regarding uh, wines and uh, Latino wine producers. Uh, Reportero was a documentary about how Mexican journalists risked their lives covering stories in Mexico. And uh, anyway, so he went out and he did this film on Latino voters. And let me tell you why this is important. Uh, according to the uh, National Association of Latino Elected Officials, uh, less than half of eligible Latino voters cast a ballot in 2016. Well, there now being almost 32 million Latinos that are registered to vote, the big question is, how can we get these people to vote? And so uh, Ruiz went out uh, to uh, numerous states, Nevada, Texas, Florida, Pennsylvania, and basically what he wanted to do was document the whole process, the, 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 the uh, registration of the voter, the motivation, 
that the voter needs to go out and vote. And of course, explaining to people how, how to cast their ballots, that kind of stuff. And uh, uh, he basically put together a, a documentary that really captures, I think, the excitement of Latino voters in this 2020 presidential election. Uh, the Latino Vote features the commentary from uh, Chuck Roca, a former senior advisor to Bernie Sanders, who is credited uh, with mobilizing the Latino voters. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the, uh, the Latino vote behind Bernie Sanders, it was wild. There were tens of thousands of young Latinos just working hard to try to get Bernie into, uh, into the presidential race. Uh, and they also talked to Geraldo Cadava. Uh, he's the author of a recent book called The Hispanic Republican. Now, the Hispanic Republican, and I know a lot of people will use all kinds of other ugly names to, uh, to uh, call Hispanic Republicans, but Hispanic Republicans are, in actuality, um, many of them anyway, are in actuality uh, very conservative Democrats. Uh, their heart is still in, in the right place. Their focus is primarily the success of the Latino community. And there's nothing wrong with that because the success, as defined by Latino Republicans, means a very large corporate type business. It also means having a safe environment for your family so you don't particularly live in, in a barrio. You live in a higher end, sometimes gated community. Uh, you drive an extremely nice car versus an old Chevy and you know things like that now uh there's nothing wrong with with republican uh latinos there is nothing wrong with that because all it is is a philosophical difference between being a republican and being a democrat it doesn't mean that you hate people okay it doesn't mean that you're a racist and it definitely doesn't mean that you're all over Donald Trump and and loving the guy, uh, as we've seen with the uh, with the Lincoln Project, which is comprised, formed and comprised by uh, Republicans. Uh, they are in fact for Biden, and so we see a lot of uh, Hispanic Republicans who have a tendency to look at the candidate versus voting party lines, unless of course you're an activist within the Republican Party, you, odds are you're probably going to be voting uh, voting red every year. Uh, and also, the film interviewed Julian Castro. Of course, he's the only Latino that ran for the uh, 2020 Democratic presidential campaign. So according to an article written by Raul Reyes for NBC News, he says that Ruiz spent most of the year capturing on-the-ground scenes of the effort to mobilize Latino vote ahead of the 2020 election in November. He says that he covered the uh, Nevada caucuses, Super Tuesday, the impact of COVID-19 pandemic, and the protest over the killing of George Floyd. All of them have had a significant impact 
on Latino registration and of course how Latinos will be voting this fall and uh, so the the documentary called Latino Vote Dispatches from the Battleground aired yesterday last night on uh, PBS it was very captivating very powerful and uh, if you get a chance uh, check out your local PBS and 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 look for this this uh, particular documentary uh, let me tell you Bernardo Ruiz does an incredible job of capturing uh, feelings and capturing the 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 uh, drama and capturing the excitement and let me tell you uh, I I watched it and and I'm, I was just amazed at how well this documentary is made and I think it's going to be a documentary that's going to be used for years to come in the political science field and uh, again if you get a chance check it out on PBS and it aired last night for the first time and they always repeat it a number of times and I believe if you go to uh, pbs.org uh, if the if the film is up for sale you, my recommendation is buy it it, again, it's called Latino Vote Dispatches from the Battleground. Latino Vote Dispatches from the Battleground. NBCU also brought us an excellent article on uh, perhaps the most famous Chicano cartoonist in the nation, Lalo Alcaraz. The article was written by Patricia Guadalupe and Basically, she's capturing what Lalo has been doing lately to ensure the uh, that uh, Donald Trump is not reelected. In fact, the title of her article is Latino cartoonist Lalo Alcaraz is on a mission to defeat Trump in November. And what's interesting is Lalo Alcaraz has been working hard at uh, putting information out to make sure that Donald Trump is not reelected and his efforts have caught the attention of uh, again the right-wing uh, uh, Republican group called the Lincoln Project and so he did some work with the Lincoln Project and by the way the Lincoln Project has a gentleman who's one of the founders of, of the project who is Latino his, my, his name is uh, Mike Madrid Mike is not only a strategist, but he's visionary and uh, uh, excellent person to work with. And he gets it. He's one of those guys that's always able to connect all the dots and bring people together, especially when it's going to benefit the Latino community. And so he reached out to uh, Lalo to do some uh, political cartoons. And so Lalo has been doing some incredibly funny uh, work out there. And uh, for those of you who uh, who are not familiar with uh, who Lalo Alcaraz is, uh, well, he started way back in the uh, in the uh, 1980s with a publication called Hispanic Link Weekly, and uh, that was started by a good friend uh, of ours here in California, and he went out and and started this publication. He brought in. Uh, Lalo to do political cartoons 
in uh, in 1992, uh, LA Weekly started featuring a cartoon of uh, Lalo's called La Cucaracha. And to this day, La Cucaracha remains the only Latino-themed syndicated daily comic strip that focuses on politics. How about that? In the entire nation, it's the only one that's Latino-themed. Alcaraz, of course, many of you saw the the film credits of the movie Coco. Uh, he uh, he was a cultural consultant, and uh, he spends most of his time working for Nickelodeon. I know people go, really? Nickelodeon? Yes. He, uh, he has an Emmy Award-winning animated series called Casa Grandes. They've just renewed for a third season, and it's the only... Uh, uh, animated program that depicts the adventures of a Mexican-American girl and her large extended family and it's all Latino, meaning the entire cast is Latino, which is extremely rare in Hollywood, especially these days. But uh, let me tell you, he is active, he's doing a lot of wonderful things. For those of you that uh, that listen to Kate. PFK Radio out of Los Angeles, guess what? He runs a weekly radio show. So in addition to all these projects he's doing, all these cartoons he's doing, illustrations, etc., he also has a radio show called The Pocho Hour of Power. The Pocho Hour of Power. It's also available on the internet. So if you go to uh, KPFK uh, Radio, uh, you can definitely link up to their uh, internet and listen to the Pocho Hour of Power. But uh, if you get a chance, check out uh, his cartoons. Many of us follow him on Twitter, and the illustrations he does on Twitter are just a riot. And so many of us look forward to, to seeing his political drawings. And uh, sticking to entertainment news... Uh, NPR did an interview with Linda Ronstadt, the uh, incredible singer-performer uh, who has entertained us for many, many years, since the 70s with the Stone Ponies. And and um, she also did a, a, an album in Spanish, Canciones de Mi Padre. And uh, anyway, so Linda Ronstadt did this interview. It's a seven-minute uh, interview with NPR. If you get a chance, check it out on npr.org. Uh, the name of the uh, program is called Linda Ronstadt, a Hispanic Heritage Legend on Staying Connected. The interview was done by Lulu Garcia Navarro. And for those of you who don't know much about Linda Ronstadt, let me tell you, I think you've been living under a rock. Uh, Linda Ronstadt has done incredible performances. Uh, her roots are without a doubt Mexican. Uh, she sang mariachi. She also uh, uh, performed with El Triato Campesino. And she's done just an incredible number of things. And today, unfortunately, she does suffer from a debilitating illness. But it's great to be able to hear her talk and share her story, share her who she is as a Mexican-American and being able to connect with all the music 
because the one thing that has brought us all together in in the world is music so whether you listen to soft music classical music rock etc it's usually the music that connects all of us because music doesn't have a color music doesn't have a a race and ethnicity it all it is it's it's uh it, it's a performance it's it's something that's entertaining and it's what makes us feel good inside i mean some of my favorite uh music for example is italian and people go well why do you listen to italian music if you listen to italian music and you know how to speak and 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 uh, read spanish odds are you're going to understand a lot of what is being sung in Italian because of the similarities. And so when you look at your roots, and that's what Linda Ronstadt does in this particular interview, she looks at her roots, she talks about uh, herself growing up as a Mexican-American, the influences, uh, she talks about, uh, you know, what's happened to her and uh, and how she experienced uh, uh, racism and of course last year during the dinner for the Kennedy Center Honors uh, she took she uh, took Secretary of, of State Mike Pompeo to task for enabling President Trump and uh, she talks about that and there's there's other things that uh, that she shares but it's actually an excellent interview check it out NPR dot org and uh, let me tell you we are trying to cover as much as we can on our coast to coast Latino on Facebook so we have both a page and a group but if you follow the group we try to post as many Latino articles news and information from across the nation uh, on that and we try to do it daily and let me tell you when I first started doing this uh, we would get you know maybe 10-15 articles about Latinos uh, during the whole week today I'm getting roughly a uh, hundred and sometimes all the way up to 150 different articles and so it's hard to post all of those. And so what I do is I read and I and I post the ones that are absolutely positively the most germane based on everything that's happening in our country today. One of the largest things that is going to be happening, for example, uh, at the beginning of November, November 2nd to be exact, is Dia de los Muertos. Uh, a very important period in our time and also the film Coco is all about Dia de los Muertos but every Latino community throughout the United States today is doing some type of Dia de los Muertos celebration even with this pandemic and so what we need to look at is what are people doing how are they doing it and making sure that everyone stays safe because COVID-19 is still a very ugly virus and it's still affecting Latinos the most, a lot more than any other group in the United States. And in fact, some people are suspect of 
why that is you know was it their way of but you know that that gets into an ugly uh room of politics and we're we don't want to go down that road what we want to do though is recognize the many ways in which latinos across the united states are celebrating dia de los muertos uh, in uh, in uh, Milwaukee, for example, if you go to uh, Milwaukee, E-E-N-N-S.org, Milwaukee-N-N-S.org, they have an excellent program called uh, Latino Arts Day of the Dead Celebrations 2020. And they have some of the altars. They have people dressed up with makeup, uh, Dia de los Muertos makeup. Uh, it's a it's a really fascinating uh, uh, article. Look at the pictures, and again, see how they're able to uh, conduct this particular event in a safe way. Uh, some of the other things that we were uh, covering, of course, in Coast to Coast Latino, is what is happening with Latino businesses? Of small businesses, of all the small businesses across the United States, Latino businesses have been the most impacted by COVID-19. How are they overcoming it? How are they getting out of their, their little situation or their big situation? Now, if you own a taco truck, you're probably doing fine. But if you own a restaurant, you got to look for ways to be able to keep your doors open. There's got to be a way for you to stay in business. And some cities, like the city of Sacramento, for example, is offering uh, uh, COVID funds uh, to be able to open up your restaurant in in a parking lot. So you convert your parking lot into essentially an outdoor eating establishment. And, but this is not unique, okay? This isn't new to us. This is the way people eat in Mexico. This is the way that people eat and enjoy drinks in Europe. So this is not new when we look at the culture and the heritage that we bring. It's part of that. So if you're a struggling small business owner... I recommend go to our Coast to Coast Latino group and read the many articles that we cover in there, that we post in there, because many of them give you incredible ideas, incredible information. And more importantly, it, 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 it helps you look into the future. For example, Entrepreneur Magazine did an article on the four key marketing points to consider when targeting to Latino millennials. That's important for for our small business owners uh, because if you don't understand how to target the millennials, you're going to lose a huge market. The millennials is a much larger group than than uh, the the boomers, and so very critical information. We also include in there a lot of information about books, how everybody else is celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month, uh, and also we cover food because food is part of our culture. And you in the U.S., Hispanic food 
has had a tremendous impact. All we need to do is look at baseball stadiums today. Do you know the number one food that is sold at baseball stadiums today? It's not hot dogs. It's not popcorn. It's nachos. And we've become very, very creative with nachos. We've thrown uh, 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 different cheeses. We've got meats. We've got veggies in there now. I mean, uh, some of those some of those nacho plates are extremely impressive. Uh, but guess what? We also sell tacos. Tacos remain the number one sold fast food in the U.S. The number one sold fast food in the U.S. In fact, uh, Jack in the Box sells tacos. And they sell a larger number of tacos than Taco Bell. Jack in the Box. And by the way, for those of us that were uh, in college and starving all the time, uh, Jack in the Box was actually a major savior because you could buy two tacos, you know, for as little as 50 cents. So it, we have articles about food in there. We have articles about voters, how voters are organizing themselves, uh, and and how we have to not look at traditional way of doing things, but actually changing how we've been doing things and making them better. Um, we're uh, we're also talking about uh, grants that are available scholarships that are available. Um, I mean, the idea is, in fact, to bring you as much news and information as we can. So again, if you get a chance, go on Facebook, look us up, Coast to Coast Latino, and join our group. Read the, the hundreds of articles that we have in there already. And like I said, we are constantly posting new articles that impact Latinos across the United States. And today I decided to uh, save the uh, the uh, weird news of the week uh, to the very last, primarily because, again, uh, we keep going into these really strange periods with our uh, president. So he says last week, he informs us that he's got COVID-19 he goes to the hospital. In the while in the hospital, he signs a, a blank document to show that he's working, and uh, then he decides that he wants to be paraded around in front of the hospital where a bunch of people have gathered to wish him well, and uh, he gets into a vehicle that's airtight. Uh, with a bunch of uh, with a bunch of uh, uh, security people, and uh, the doctors condemn it because he is extremely contagious because he has the virus. He has COVID nineteen, so they shoot him up with a cocktail of uh, medications to uh, try to curb the impact of COVID nineteen on the president. And they also shoot him up with uh, steroids. And so he starts telling everybody, I feel great, I feel fantastic, etc. Well, of course, he's running on steroids. That's what steroids do. And uh, then he comes out of the hospital on Monday. He goes to uh, the White House. 
he goes up to the balcony. He walks up the balcony, but you can tell that he's struggling to walk up the balcony, but he still does it. He takes off his mask, and there's a photographer next to him. He takes off his mask, and he tells the world that he's doing great. He couldn't, couldn't feel any, any much better. And uh, you can tell that he's running out of breath. Uh, so he stops talking, and he turns around and, and walks inside. Let me tell you, his carelessness has impacted this country so much, it's not even funny. We have 210,000 people who have died of COVID-19 because of his carelessness. Had he followed basic medical direction, he would not have himself gotten COVID-19. Who did he get it from? Nobody knows because the tracing is very difficult to do around the president. Uh, there are senators, there are staff people, there are so many folks that all of a sudden are testing positive for COVID-19 and most of them are people who attended an event at the White House where no masks were worn, there was no social distancing. It doesn't take much to follow some very basic things Remember when you were told in school not to stand out of line, otherwise you'd have to go to the back of the line? I bet you this guy stood out of line and he would find a way to make sure that he never got thrown to the back of the line. Uh, this guy, it just it's very difficult to understand why he's president. Then all of a sudden, uh, yesterday, first he announces that uh, the coronavirus uh, 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 stimulus package was no longer on because he didn't he he stopped the talks uh, I think after he realized the political impact that that was going to have because his campaign is really suffering right now uh, he he backed off he changed his mind and now he wants to make sure that there's money in there for one of the airlines I will provide you a lot more information on our Friday edition of Coast to Coast Latino. But for now, I want to thank you for joining me today. CoastToCoastLatino.com uh, is brought to you by the Vida de Oro Foundation, U-Haul, and OIC Tax Services. My name is Adrian Perez, and I sincerely appreciate you taking time to join us this Wednesday. Please feel free to write to us at latino at coasttocoastlatino.com. Share your thoughts with us. We'd love to be able to know what you think about our programs. Again, if you visit our website at coasttocoastlatino.com, you can listen to all of our podcasts. And until Friday, I sincerely appreciate you taking time with us. Take care and be safe. <laughs>